Okay, so uh, a good era of Tuvishvat to everybody. So first of all, just uh, again, as usual, I want to thank the Freedmen's for opening their home. Really, it's uh, there's such a, a major part of the shul, and it's really a chas and an honor for all of us to have a, you know, to be partners together in this. So Hashem should bless them. They should have just increased and continue nachas from their children and shefa brach and atzlach on all levels. Just you know, the, one of the one of the one of the um, the blessings we find in the Gemara that when 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 you know, Tamid Chachamim and the Gemara would part ways from each other and they would give each other a blessing. The standard blessing they would give is, and it's a Tu B'Shvat Teke Bracha, Elam Chatir Bechiecha, that you should, see, you should see your world in your time. In other words, that all the, you know, all, a lot of times we, 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 we plant seeds and we put in effort in this world and then, you know, the Paris come when they come. But we should be able to see the Paris uh, as soon as possible. So you should see the Nachas already. We should all see the Nachas for, for, from ourselves, from our families, from each other. Okay, so let me share with you just a, a few words about the Yontif, the, really the month of Shvat Bechlal, and obviously the Yontif of Tuvisha, which is coming up. Tuvisha is a very, very, uh, it's a very mysterious holiday. It really, really is. There's a number of holidays that we have that the Tzaddikim have already predicted this centuries ago, that as they get closer to Mashiach, they're going to become more popular. Rish is one of those holidays. Tuvishvat. Tubav, these holidays, which uh, they're officially marked on the calendar, like you don't say Tachnun and you know whatever, and you know you get together a little bit. But but as we get closer to Mashiach, these holidays are are, are become more and more important. So let's talk about a little bit about uh, Tubishvat. So we know that Tubishvat, as the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah puts it, is Rosh Hashanah Ilanos, is the Rosh Hashanah for trees. In other words, on a very simple level, it means that you know when it comes to the laws of Shumas and Maestras of giving percentages of your produce and so on to the coin or the Levi and Eretz Yisrael. So you have to know what crop is one year and what crop is a second year because you don't want to mix them. So what's the demarcation point? What's the Rosh Hashanah? To know that before that time is the previous year's crop and after that is the following year's crop. What's the Rosh Hashanah for trees? So that's that's Tubishvah. Beishamay says it's Rosh Chodeshvah. Beishil says it's Tubishvah, the 15th day of Shvah. We pass like Beishil. But the fact that we, that we get together and by the Jewish people we make Tubishvat is like a thing. So it means that there's, that there's some, that, that even though this is officially a day that's Rosh Hashanah for trees, but it has to do with us as well. And as we know, the Pasuk says, Ki Adam the person, a person, human being is compared to a tree. And so it must be that there's a lot to learn from, from trees. There's a lot to learn of what it means to be a good person. From trees, so let's uh, let's investigate that a little bit. So it's like this, you know. There's a the Ramishul Chaim Letzato, the Ramchal, the great great tzaddikim. So he wrote a number of svarim. The, probably the most famous sefer that he wrote is Misilus Yisharim, right? The guide to the, the guide of the, the path of the just, Misilus Yisharim. It's a classic Musar sefer. So she was a learner. I'm sure it's a. I'm sure you've you've heard it or you've seen a little bit of it. So there's a famous opening line of Misilus Yisharim. Which it could be a little bit of a. It starts off as 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 like an exciting thing, but then it gets a little bit that it could be seen as like a little bit of a downer. The end of the sentence. So we'll try to we'll try to work it out. <clears throat> the Ramchal is talking about in his introduction, like what's the purpose of life? What's the general purpose of life? What are we here for? And so Ramchal says as follows: that the reason why the Rebbeinu Shlomo created the world and the reason why Hashem created us is lis aneg el Hashem, in order to have pleasure. 
in order to have benefit. To have delight in Hashem's presence. To have delight from Hashem. Hashem created us in order that we should, that He wants to bestow good. He wants to give us pleasure. He wants to give us good things. That's what He wants to do. Okay, that's amazing. That means life is about, uh, is about having, having, having uh, happiness and joy and, and pleasure. That's, 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 that's beautiful. But then the Rambam goes on to explain that we have to know the following truth, which is that the real time and place for this ultimate pleasure is in Olam Haba and not Olam Haza. Olam Haza, he goes on to describe famously as a proizdar, as a hallway that leads into the great banquet hall that's called Olam Haba. So the main place and time that Hashem has uh, you know, arranged for us to receive the reward and the benefit and the goodness that he wants to bestow, that's what's called Olam Haba. <clears throat> in this world, it's about uh, preparing ourselves for Olam Haba. Okay, that's the system, that's the the paradigm that the Ramchal sets up, and then he goes to the rest of the Sefer to talk about, okay, so what do you have to do in this world to prepare yourself to experience that? But as I mentioned before, one of the blessings that Chazal would bless each other with is, you should see your portion of Olam Haba in your lifetime. Which means that although the Ramchal is right, 100%, that technically the time for reward is Olam Haba, and Olam Haza is for trying to get there and working on ourselves to be able to be worthy of that reward. But there is such a thing as a person having Olam Haba in Olam Haza, to be able to taste a little bit of that reward, of that delight, of that pleasure in this world. Not only is that something that's possible, but the truth is that's something that Hashem wants of us. Because if the purpose of creation is for Hashem to bestow good, so then, you know, if you're, if you're a good if you're a good person and you're a, you're a giver, then even if Technically, according to the rules, you know, the goodness that you want to bestow to a person, you know, has a certain time when you're allowed to do it. But you, you know, it, it would give you even more pleasure to be able to do it right away. And the truth is, this idea that Hashem set up the world in such a way where even right now in the Olam Haza, the Rebbe Hashem really wants, and it's possible for us to experience Olam Haba. We see this in the phenomenon of fruit trees. Hashem made the world in such a way where we can learn from everything, right? Everything in the world Hashem created, we can learn from. So, what's the, like, what's the purpose of fruit? Everyone knows that, nutritionally speaking, I mean, again, there's certain vitamins and, and things like that that you get from fruit, but, but Chazal explained that really what fruit are for is for pleasure. It's nice. I mean, you can, really, uh, everyone knows that the main, you know, vegetables is the main thing that a person should eat and so on. Okay, so that, that Hashem created fruit as well. The purpose of fruit itself is really Hashem just creating something in this world for us to enjoy. That, that's really what fruit is. It's Hashem's candy. Like we have a book that I don't know if the kids uh, still read, Hashem's candy store. So it's trying to convince the kids not to eat actual, you know, fake candy. Hashem's candy store. That's fruits and, and things like that. But that's really the truth. That's really the truth. So let's understand. If Hashem created such a thing that's called fruit, which means that Hashem is establishing and everything, and everything that's physical is really coming from spiritual. So if Hashem created a physical thing in the world, which is something just for us to enjoy, which is called fruit, so it must be that that's, that's a spiritual truth as well. It must be that Hashem also wants us to be able to enjoy in Olam Haza too. And the, place, the real enjoyment is Olam Haba. The fact that Hashem created fruit trees in Olam Haza means that Hashem really, really, not only is it possible, that Hashem really wants us to experience 
the reward of Olam Haba in this world. <clears throat> so we have to figure out that what does that mean? What does that, what does that mean to have Olam Haba and Olam Haza? What does that feel like? What does that look like? Okay, so let me share with you a, a, a concept that we find by our Tzadik Hakain of Lublin. It's one of the great, great Hasidic masters. And, you know, he, he passed away in, the, in the, the year 1900. So that's the you know, mid-1800s, that's what we're talking about. So he was a, a great, great thinker. And he, he makes the following observation. And this is, and this is, and by understanding this point, we'll understand what Olam Haba means, and what it means to have Olam Haba in Olam Haza, and to enjoy, uh, and to really say that we're enjoying life properly. So he says like this, everyone knows there's a Mishnah in Pirkei Avos. The thir- it's the third Mishnah in Pirkei Avos, <clears throat> that Antignish is Saychai, the Mishnah brings down in certain Tanoim, and they said the following statement, Al tiyu karav, a person should not be a servant. Don't be a servant that serves his master or her master to get reward. Don't be that. In other words, don't serve Hashem with the intention of doing this mitzvah, I'm doing this thing in order to get reward. Don't do that. Rather, rather you should be like a servant that serves the master. Not for reward. Just because that's what the master wants me to do, that's what I'll do. That's what... That's what the Mishnah says, Antignish is so chosad. Okay. So what do you see from there? So you see a rule. That when you do a mitzvah, you're not supposed to do it for a reward. That's what, that's what he's saying, right? You're supposed to do a mitzvah. Why? Because that's what God tells me to do, finished. In, in, in the Gemara, there's a halachic uh, ruling, which also sums this up, which is, mitzvahs lav lehanes nitno. Mitzvahs were not given for our benefit. In other words... What, uh, Rashi explains in a few places in, in the Gemara that that statement means that that a person does a mitzvah because that's what you have to do because that's what God wants you to do. You don't do it for the reward. You don't do it for almanas the pras in order to receive benefit, in order to receive reward. That's the Mishnah. Mrs. Lavanistana asks Rab Tzadik that we find many places in Chazal, mamish the opposite. Not only do we find in Chazal that a person is permitted to do mitzvahs to get schar. But the truth is, we find in Chazal that this was something that was promoted. What do I mean? So he gives a bunch of examples. I'll give you some of them. Uh, Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu wants to get to Eretz Yisrael. Yeah? So he's davening, 515 davenings. And eventually Hashem says no. <clears throat> but the Medrash says like this, that Hashem said to Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe, why do you want to get to Eretz Yisrael? You want to get to Eretz Yisrael to do mitzvahs and to get the reward. So I'll give you the reward now. Don't worry about it. Ask yourself, do you get the reward? That's what Moshe Rabbeinu wants to get to Eretz Yisrael? You're not supposed to do mitzvahs for reward. What's going on? So they quotes other Gemaras. The Gemaras, the Gemara, it's, it's interesting. Throughout Shas, we find a few cases of this where certain Tamid Chachamim were under the weather. They weren't feeling well. They weren't able to learn the way they were, they were accustomed to. So the Gemara says that they would, they would the, the, one of the things that they would do is they would say to each other, come, let's, let's at least go to the base Medrash. We can't, you know, uh, we don't have the energy to learn. But at least we'll stand by the door. And when people, when other Chachamim walk in, we'll stand up for them. And we'll fulfill the mitzvah of honoring a Talmud Chacham. And we'll get reward for that. Yes, so to get reward, that's why you're doing this. That's what that, the, the, and those are the words that they said. We'll stand up for the Chachamim that enter and we'll get reward. Yeah, that's what you want this for. And, and okay, okay, and he quotes a lot. And you don't have to go so far. The truth is every single morning, right? We say, one of the things that we say in the morning should try to say it in the morning, it's Birchus Torah, right? So by Birchus Torah, one of the brachas that you make is Baharivna. Baharivna Shemalkinus Divis Ras Libifino. That Hashem, you should make the words of Torah sweet and pleasant. Yiddishkeit should be sweet and pleasant. We should enjoy it. It should be sweet and pleasant and enjoyable to us, to our children, to our grandchildren. That, that, 
who cares about that? We do mitzvahs because uh, God told us to do it. Not almanas lekalbras, not to get reward. All of a sudden we're davening that Yiddishkeit should be sweet and pleasant as if that matters. What does it, what does it make a difference? So here's the point. Says Ratzadik, he, and he, here's the crucial difference, and this is what it means to have Olam Haba in Olam Haza. Says Ratzadik, you have to pay attention to the wording of Chazal. In Pirkei it said that you shouldn't be an, a, a servant that serves the master to receive pras. It's interesting. The word pras, what does the word pras mean? Pras means reward. It's in, 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 in Aramaic. But it's funny because Pirkei is Hebrew. So what's the word in Hebrew for reward? Schar. All of a sudden, Pirkei shifts. So it should say, the, the word, the, the mission is in Hebrew. al These are all Hebrew. Don't be like a servant that that serves his master, Amanas Lakabel Schar. All of a sudden, no, no, the last word switches to Aramaic, pras. Why? So it says, this is the point. Pras, that we don't do things for. Schar, 100% you do it for. What's it, what does pras mean and what does schar mean? So he says as follows. The word pras, that's what the, the English word also. There's an English word that, that sounds like pras, which is what? Prize, right? So what does pras mean? Pras means, says Ratzadik, is that when you do something and you get a prize for it. Now, when you, when you get payment or a prize or whatever, or a pras, pras means whatever it is that you're receiving doesn't really have anything to do with what you did. Like, it doesn't fundamentally have to do with what you did. You did X, Y, Z, and so you have to get paid, or you have to get a reward. So you get a reward. Says Ratzadik, if a person's doing mitzvahs, and they're having in mind that I want to do mitzvahs in order that I should, um, you know, that I should get, I should, I should uh, have nachas and health and simcha, things of this world, or even things I want to get, uh, I should have a good portion in Gan Eden, and I should have a richas yamim. It's all very nice, but that's all pras. Says Ratzadik, that's something we don't want to do. You don't do mitzvahs to get, to get pras. Pras is again a reward that's outside the mitzvah itself. It could be so. Even even if it would be immediate, if the person is thinking that I'm doing the mitzvah in order to get X Y Z, that's pras. What does schar mean? So here's the example to try to explain schar. These I have given this example before. So maybe if any of you have heard it, you know you'll me. Let's say you have a scene. I remember as a kid watching these like nature movies and stuff, let's say you have a, a scene of like a, a lion chasing a zebra. Okay? Now lions, that's their instinct. Their instinct is to chase zebras. And the instinct of a zebra is to run away from a lion. So if let's say while you're seeing this lion chasing a zebra, you stop the lion in the middle of the, of the, of the run and you say, listen, you know, Mr. Lion, are you happy? Are you happy right now? Now, clearly the lion is hungry. So he's not fully satisfied until he catches a zebra. There's a lion, are you happy? You know what the lion would say, if he can speak? The lion would say, I'm the happiest creature in the world. Not much the happiest creature. Why? Why? Why are you so happy? You're chasing a zebra. You didn't catch it yet. If I ask you if you're happy after you catch a zebra, it's one thing. You're still looking for, you're still chasing the zebra. You know what the, you know what the lion would say? The lion would say, you know why I'm happy? I'm happy because I'm doing something which is exactly what I'm created to do. My instincts tell me to chase after a zebra, and that's exactly what I'm doing. When a person does something instinctual, when, when a person is, ex, is expressing their most basic and 
deepest natural instincts, that's unbelievably pleasurable. And by the way, if you were to ask the zebra, while it's being chased from the lion, are you happy? You know what the zebra would say? 100% I'm happy. Happy? You're being chased by a zebra, by, by a lion, and in any minute you could... So why are you happy? The answer is, because this is what I'm made to do. I'm made to be chased. And when I'm running away from a lion, I'm the happiest creature in the world because this is what my instincts tell me to do and I'm doing and I'm flowing. I'm in that moment, even, you know, I don't know if it's a, you know, it's, it's a more, um, there's such a thing, it's, I don't know if it's an official thing, it's called sports science. It's like the science of, uh, of professional sports. So there's a term that they have in that world that's called flow. It's like when a certain athlete is not even thinking anymore about what he's doing or what she's doing. It's just, it's just instinctual and it's just like flowing. When you're, when, you, when, you're, when, you, when you're learning something new, so before you are instinctual about it, so you're, you have to think about what you're doing with every move. But at some point when you get used to something so much, it just becomes habitual, right? It's like a person's driving. Sometimes this happens, right? Where you're driving and then you get home and you don't remember... Like how you got home, you just, you got there, right? So there's certain things that you do so often, it just becomes instinctual. So that, that's called, they, they call that a, a situation of flow. You're just, the zebra is running from a lion. He's doing what he's supposed to do. She's doing what she's supposed to do. That's instinctual. And that's pleasurable. Says Reb Tzaddik, that's called schar. You know what, you know what the ultimate reward or pleasure of mitzvahs are? Not something, not like you do the mitzvah, and Hashem pays you back. What does He pay you back with? Okay, He can pay you back with things in this world, or it can pay you back with, you know, it can be lollipops down here or lollipops in Ganeidin. If it's just lollipops, even if it's Ganeidin, they lollipops. That's pras. That's something outside the mitzvah itself. What's the main pleasure, however? What's the main schar of a mitzvah? Is the, 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 the innate awareness and the innate knowledge and experience of doing something which is a completely in line with your natural instincts. The most natural instinct of a Jew is to do mitzvahs. The most natural thing of a Jew is to become, to be part of that world that's called serving Hashem. And the feeling that a person has and the pleasure a person has of doing what they're created to do, not only is that okay, that's 100% a beautiful motivation. Not only is that a beautiful, Hashem wants us to feel that. When Hashem, when, when, when Hashem created fruit trees, it means Hashem is saying, I want people in this world to have pleasure. I want people in this world to enjoy themselves. But what does it mean to enjoy yourself? To enjoy yourself with lollipops? No. Even sophisticated lollipops. What Hashem wants us to do is to do mitzvahs and to feel the unbelievable pleasure and satisfaction in, in that experience in knowing that this is exactly what we're created to do. <clears throat> this is what it means to experience Olam Haba in Olam Haza. Because the greatest experience of Olam Haba is not just like more spiritual lollipops. The greatest experience of Olam Haba is this truth of who we are instinctually being brought out. Of us being able to be fully aware and present of our innate nature, which is the lion running after the zebra, or the zebra being chased by the lion. This is what Chazal say, schar mitzvah, mitzvah. The, the schar for a mitzvah is the experience of the mitzvah itself. And that's really what Olam Abba is, which is the feeling of the satisfaction in knowing that you're doing what you're supposed to do, what you're meant to do. And this, 
and by the way, this 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 changes a lot of things in the way this Hashem. Um, so let's say, for example, you know, uh, let's say a person is having, uh, let's say a person likes having 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 guests. You like is a mitzvah. Let's say a person likes achnasas So, like, are you supposed to like it? You're not supposed to like it. On the one hand, you're not supposed to serve Hashem. You're not supposed to do mitzvahs for reward. So maybe I should specifically go out of my way to do mitzvahs that I don't like. You know what I mean? Which is, there's, there's some truth to that. But let's say, but what am, what am I supposed to do? I, I, I enjoy having guests, and, uh, and I'm having guests for Shabbos. So is that a bad thing? Am I supposed to feel guilty about enjoying mitzvahs in Yiddishkeit? The answer is, the pleasure that a person has in knowing that they're doing a mitzvah that is in line with their most essential instincts and in nature, Hashem wants you to feel that. Hashem wants you to enjoy that. Now, how do you know? Now, here's the question. How do you know that what you're feeling is the pleasure that comes from being instinctual versus, you know, just man-made, you know, uh, pleasure that comes from knowing that I'm going to get reward for this? So how, is, is, how do I know if my pleasure is coming from the lollipops that I'm expecting or because I'm going with my instincts? How do you know that? So there's two ways to know. There's two ways to know. Number one, do you, and this is a little bit musri, but this is the truth, do you care if anyone else knows about it? Like let's say you're doing a mitzvah and no one else knows but you and God. It's just you. Does that bother you? If that bothers a person, it means that there might be some motivation that's outside of the instincts. In other words, if the pleasure is coming from an instinctual place, then it doesn't make a difference to you what else is going on around you. Like, you're doing your thing. You're in that, that moment of flow. You're doing that, you know, you're the lion. You're the zebra. You're doing your thing. The fact that other people know about it, don't know about it, they think about it, they don't think about it, doesn't make a difference. So the, 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 more, the more pleasure and satis- inner satisfaction I feel with my Avodah Hashem, and it has nothing to do with getting approval from other people or being, you know, or other people knowing about it or whatever. It's just within myself, that's a very good sign that it's coming from a place of schar, not a place of pras. If a person's motivated because, and if a person, uh, you know, if, 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 if the reason why they feel good is because other people know about it, then that's the lollipop. The lollipop is other people knowing about it. But if it's coming from within the self, that's a very, very good sign. That's number one. The other telltale sign is, would, it, would, you, would you also, would you also um, enjoy it if other people are doing it as well? See, when a person is feeling you know, satisfaction um, because of pras, because of prizes, you know, that type of thing, then I want to roll for myself. Then I don't, I don't want other people to have it. Then, you know, the lollipop is sweeter when I know that I'm the only one that has it. But if it's coming from a natural instinct, with that, then that's, that's a selfless pleasure. You understand? That's a, that's a pleasure that doesn't come with trying to take it away from other people. This is something that I'm doing because I'm created to do that, and you're created to do this as well, so you do it also. It doesn't take away. The more, the more, and this is the nakuda where it boils down to, is that there's two types of, of satisfaction. There's a satisfaction in life that comes more from ego. And when it's ego, it means that I, you know, 
I need other people to look at me, and I need other people not to have it. That's classic pras. But when it's coming, not from ego, it's coming from just a natural experience of you doing what you're created to do, going with your instincts, with your spiritual instincts, then first of all, it doesn't make a difference to me if other people know about it or not. And second of all, if other people also experience this, it's also good. It doesn't, it, it's completely about my experience. It has nothing to do with doesn't, other people's, you know, uh, you know what, what they're experiencing doesn't take away, doesn't add. It's, it's completely within me. This is what it means to, when, 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 when they would give brachas to each other, that you should see your oilam haba in oilam haza. It means that you should serve Hashem and do mitzvahs in such a way where you enjoy it and you should, and you should feel enlivened by it and you should have simcha. But the simcha that you should feel is the truest simcha of all, which is the simcha that comes with knowing that you're doing what you're created to do. You're going with your instincts. You're doing something that's in congruence, that's in line with who you essentially are. And there's no greater pleasure than that. Let me, uh, let me end off with a quick story. I saw this the other night. So there was a mice like this. There was a group of, of, of Yidin that they went to go visit one of the great uh, tzaddikim, the Chais of Lublin, the seer of Lublin. So they, they, were, they, they weren't from Lublin. They were from an outside city. So they hired a wagon driver to bring them to Lublin to go visit uh, the Chaisen. So fine, it was uh, from a Yid, the wagon driver. So they're all going together to Lublin. And eventually they get there to get to the they get to the base madrash of the chayza, and so these yidden they they get off the the wagon and they pay the wagon driver, and the wagon driver says, "You know, you know, however, if you don't mind, like I have to I have to go, but uh, can I give you a kvittel? Can I write no? It's give to a tzad. They give a piece of paper with your name, request whatever it is, ask for a bracha. So when you're going in anyway, do you mind giving it? Sure, why not? Doesn't doesn't hurt. So they take his kvittel. So they go into the base madrash. The wagon driver goes off his way. And they're going into the base manager's over there, and now they're they're waiting. You can't just you know you don't just you have to wait online. You take a number, you know, and it's uh, it's hours. It's hours wait, but eventually, eventually they get in, and so they go into the to the tzaddik and they give them they give the tzaddik their 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 papers and the tzaddik looks at them, gives a brach, whatever, and then they give him the wagon driver's paper, and so he looks at the at the thing, and the chayza the chayza essentially the chayza was blind in one eye. But that was the eye that he saw a lot with, so um, so he looks so he looks at it and he's like this yid. Uh, right now, this yid his his name is Mama Shining. He's Mamish like Mama Shining. So I mean, they're a little bit surprised. He was just a simple wagon driver, but clearly something's going on. So fine, they they get a bracha, whatever. As they leave and they want to go find this wagon driver, like what's uh, like a hidden tzaddik or something. I don't know. So they eventually. They eventually ask around, you know, where the wagon drivers are, you know, hanging out, whatever it is, and they, and they find the area, and they go, and they find uh, their wagon driver, and what's he doing? He, there's a chasana, there was a wedding going on in those days, the wedding, weddings didn't happen, they were all outside, they were by the, by the stream, by the rivers, by the water, that's where the chasanas were, and so they found that, the, that this wagon driver was by chasana, he was mamish dancing in front of the chasana kala. So, and he was like, wow, he was like, really, really into it. Okay, it's very nice. So after the wedding, after the thing is over, so they go over to him, and they're like, oh, it's so nice. Is this like, you, you seem to be, you related to Chassan Akal, you seem to be very involved. He said, no, 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 my mom just met them. Just met them, like, okay, and you seem like super into it. They didn't mention about the kvittal yet. He said, like, what's going on? So he said, I'll tell you what happened. He said, after I dropped you off, so I went to the area that all the wagon drivers are hanging around looking for the next job, and uh, I overheard some people talking, that there was going to be a wedding that night between 
you know, a chassan akala, and these, the chassan akala are orphans, and they didn't have any money, and so the town, like, you know, people, you know, put some funds together to make a wedding, but uh, at the end of the day, the chassan still doesn't have a talus, and the kala doesn't have a new shaitl, and they don't have the funds for it. So the wagon driver said, listen, I'm not uh, a wealthy guy, but, you know, I could, I, I could take care of this, no problem. So he goes, and he goes to the chassan and kala, and he takes the money that he got from, you know, from bringing those yidin to the chayza, and he says, yeah, you know, again, I'm not the wealthiest person, but I can afford this, not, you know. So he, he gives him the money to, to buy a talis and to buy a shaitl. And when he gives the chassan and kala the money for that, he said that the chassan and kala, when they looked at me, they were like so, they were so... Uh, um, they're so overwhelmed by the kindness that just they, they, they were crying and they just they were so thankful. And I said, I didn't even know. I thought I was dead. It's a nice thing. I could do a mitzvah, does some tzedakah, but I didn't appreciate I, I got so overwhelmed myself about how, how, how big of a mitzvah I just did. I didn't even know. And so that's got me so excited. And I, I'm dancing by the chasana like, as if it's my wedding because I'm just so, I'm so proud of the opportunity that I had, that I was given to do this mitzvah of buying a talis and a shetel for a chasana and kala that I didn't know them. I didn't even know at the time how big of a deal it was, but I see in their eyes how big it was for them. I'm just so excited about the opportunity to do that. I was just, so I was dancing in front of them, but really I'm dancing like, it's my own simcha for the fact that I was able to, to help them out by the wedding. That's what he said to them. And then they didn't say, okay, that's what the Chayza saw. So it's interesting. The Chayza saw that, the, that this Yid was shining. It wasn't just that he did a selfless act. He, he did a, 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 you know, mitzvah tzedakah is certainly a great thing. But he really, and, 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 he, was, and he was shown how, how, how important it was. And he was celebrating the greatness of his own mitzvah. And that's what made his name shine. So when we do mitzvahs and we serve Hashem and we take care of our families and so on, like, allow yourself to enjoy it. Allow yourself to appreciate it. This is what you're made to do. This is what your instincts are allowing you to do, are bringing you to do. That pleasure that comes with knowing that you're doing what you're created to do is something that a person should embrace and be motivated by. So Hashem should help us that we should all see our Elam Haba in our Elam Haza, be able to appreciate the gifts that Hashem gives us all the time, which is the opportunity to do mitzvahs and to help each other and so on. It's result to only see good things in here, in an open and revealed way. Once again, thank you for opening your home and Shevrabrach and Hatzlach on all levels for you and to everyone.